Hi, folks. Pastor Chuck Blair here. I want to do a quick plug for our upcoming series and small group program. It's around this basic part, which is, look, we all need a better adventure. And what's sort of the impetus behind this? Well, for me, it's because I don't think we're on a real good adventure right now. I see a lot of anger and frustration, not just in myself, but in other people, a lot of dividing the world into this and into that. And, and that that's just not going to work. That That's not what we're here in life. That's not what we're here on this planet to do. It's real interesting to me that the word divisive or divide is also the same word that's used in the Bible for diabolical. Something to think about there. So how is it that we move forward? How is it that we can find a better adventure? Well, it's a great opportunity for us to hear what is a better adventure for you? What is a better adventure for us? And then how do we start to build that? And there's lots of great stories out there that will help us move forward in, in that direction. So if that has interest to you, I'd ask you to please consider joining a New Church Live small group around a better adventure. I'll be leading two of them with some wonderful co-leaders. They're going to take place on Tuesday night. One is at 7 p.m. and the other is at 8.30 p.m., whatever works best for your schedule. We'd love to have you. They usually last about an hour, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. It gives us a chance just to hear other people. I really do believe this. If, if we're going to, to somehow make a difference in the world, we have to make a difference. We have to actually do those things that change things, not just sit back and think, yeah, it'd be really nice if the world wasn't as divided as it is right now. It'd be really nice if the world wasn't as polarized as it is now. I don't know a lot of people were having fun with that particular adventure. And if we want it to be different, if we want it to be different, we have to act differently. We have to just pull up our bootstraps and figure out a way to do this differently and find and commit to a better adventure. If that has interest to you, please let me know. And you can do it any number of ways to sign up for either of those groups. You can let me know by email, chuck.blair at newchurchlive.tv. That's chuck.blair at newchurchlive.tv. Or you can simply send me a text message with your email and the time you feel works best for you. And my phone number is 215-740-3662. That's 215 215- 7403662. We certainly hope you sign up for one of these groups. We certainly hope you join us for the series, which launches on Sunday, September 26th, as we look at a better adventure. Take care and God bless. That's a great song. I was just noticing. I was paying attention to it back there, and I got this feeling of like, that's a nice thing to say. Stand by me. So I don't know. I know people watch New Church Live from all around the country and all around the world, so I don't know exactly where you are right now. I don't even know when it is for you right now because it's. I want to say good morning, but to some people it's morning. To some people it's in the middle of the night. And because of the magic of video, I don't, you could be watching this a week from now or 10 years from now, maybe. And so I don't really know anything about where and when you are, but I do know no matter what time of day it is for you, no matter where you are on this beautiful globe that we share, I do know that 
you probably have problems. Probably a lot of problems, right? Isn't life just wonderfully full of problems? So of course I'm excited to talk to you today about the two things that solve everything. I'm excited to hear what I'm going to say today because I would love to solve a lot of issues that I have and a lot of complications. But I think if I were you, I would be saying, yeah, yeah right. This guy probably, there's, there's like 0% chance that this guy here knows how to solve everything. Yeah, that's true. But I'm not the one who is making this claim that there are two things in life that solve everything. That is being made by dun, 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 Jesus Christ. In a very famous inquisition that he was having to face. So we're going to turn to like our bedrock thought here today, which is in Matthew. And Jesus is on a roll. There's a lot of attention to the things that he's saying. And there's people that don't like it because he's kind of disrupting the system, the order that they had. He's not playing by the rules. And so they're trying to trap him. And so they send a lawyer to him, which lawyers are great, but they get a bad rap in stories, man. This is Matthew 22:35. It says, then one of them, a lawyer, no offense, asked him a question, testing him. So the whole thing is a setup, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So the law, there are not just the Ten Commandments, but there are hundreds of commandments in there. So trying to say, it's kind of like saying, well, which, which kid is your favorite kid, Dad, so that you can nail him on something. So this is trying to get him to say, well, only this matters. And then you can say, aha, what about all the other things that are important? Jesus said to him, and also, I'm, excuse me, but I'm curious as well, if Jesus is God, if Jesus is God in front of you, yeah, what is the most important? This is a big, long book, which is reflective of this big, broad, diverse experience of life. What is the most important thing? I actually, I want to hear what he has to say. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Okay, well, thank you. Wait, there's more. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I, f I feel like that's not really politically shrewd to offer more information than you have to. They're trying to set you up. You know, Jesus, you know they're trying to set you up. But not only do you, you offer this is the greatest commandment and say I'm going to assert that this second, the second greatest commandment is like this one, but you didn't have to go and say on these things hang all of the law and the prophets. You could have just taken 
a step back and said, these two are pretty good. They're my favorite, but they're all pretty good. So you should, all, everything hangs on that. And the law and the prophets, by the way, that's not just a fancy way of saying these are important. The law is the books of Moses and the prophets are the rest of the Old Testament. There is no New Testament at the time that Jesus is living it right there. So he is saying everything in your scriptures, which is the basis for this sacred side of the lives of the whole nation, everything hangs on these. So without, without these, it all falls. So he really says, like, I, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me to say, trying to trap me by playing favorites. And I'm going to play favorites. And I'm going to say, not just this is the best one, but everything depends on this. So that's really important news that God is saying, this is the most important stuff. Love the Lord and you know, with those different aspects of yourself. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And it seems like, oh, we've got our marching orders. Those, those aren't too opaque sounding, and they seem good. It doesn't seem like this is something where I have to check my moral compass to see if I want to go love the neighbor and love God. Let's go. Let's just do it right now. But it's, a, it's, it's, it's dangerous to just go right in with something that, that Jesus says, because to really gain the right lens through which to approach the words of Jesus, we should turn to another really important spiritual teacher. And this is Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride. And there's this, this is like a, it's a meme. So it's new, but it's a very old movie. So maybe you all haven't seen it, but there's this scene where this guy keeps using the word inconceivable to describe events that are clearly happening in front of him. And Inigo says, you, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. So if we're going to go out and say that our, all of our life, all of the law and the prophets hangs on loving the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself is, the, is like that, we got to make sure we know what that actually means. And it's not, it's actually, I don't know if it's ever self-evident entirely what Jesus is talking about, not only for those of us who are studying Jesus's words, but also for the disciples themselves. This was something they constantly struggled to understand what Jesus was talking about. There is the scene of the transfiguration, which is this really powerful imagery in the story where Jesus is going up the mountain with his disciples. And this is when they're still not totally sure who he is. They know that he's changing their life and they know that he seems to hold something that is the key to what they're going through, but they're not completely sure the nature of this person they see in front of them. Jesus uh, lights up, He's, his clothes start to glow, he's up on the mountain, and suddenly Elijah and Moses appear next to him, and which is amazing because Elijah and Moses have been dead for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it's blowing the disciples away. And 
So one of them says, okay, wow, this is really powerful. I get what you're saying with this. Let's build a temple, one for you and one for Elijah and one for Moses. Okay, yeah, because there's these three powerful people. But, but it's wrong because then this booming voice from heaven comes in and says, this, this is that famous line, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the point of that is no, the, what I'm trying to show you is the importance of Jesus, actually. That's not what we're going into here. We don't have to talk about how actually Elijah and Moses symbolize the law and the prophets. So this is like the, all the law and the prophets hang on Jesus, who would then be this manifestation of the love of God and love of the neighbor. That's not the point. The point is they didn't get what he was saying. And this is a perennial theme in the story of the disciples when he was uh, doing the parable of the sower, he had to explain it to them. There's a point where it says, without a parable spake he not. There's other times when the disciples pull him aside and they, especially when he's talking about himself being killed, they say, what do you, you got to not say this. You, you, this doesn't make any sense. And he has to go and explain them and he's usually pretty patient about it. So we got to make sure that we really know where we're going. Even with something as wonderful sounding as love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. So if we pull that up, the two great commandments, let's look at them again, because if, this is, if everything is going to hang on these, let's make sure we really have dug into what they are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's not very clear. What I mean is, it says what, but it doesn't say how. And can you really just, in any other situation, if I said, hey, this is, hey, nice to meet you. This is uh, me, Curtis. Here, here's my friend who, from high school who is coming in and, and um, can you love him. Can you just tell somebody to love someone? Can we really command, can love, if love is commanded, is it really love? It's like, hi, I, I love you so much because my boss told me I had to love you. Is that love? So there must be more to this because this is, these are marching orders, but there's not execution inside of them. And the inside of them is the key phrase because Always, in the words of Jesus, there is something inside them. We hear he's telling a story about how somebody finds something precious in a field, and so they sell the field. This is not, or they sell everything they have to buy the field. This is not about land ownership and economics. Inside that is a story about the value of heaven the value of the state of mind and heart that we call heaven and how that is worth putting everything else aside to pursue. Everything has something inside it when Jesus is speaking. And New Church Theology gives us a look inside. Even these, the great commandments, so you would think you might be able to take at face value, there is actually inside them the key to doing them. 
We're going to take this, this is going to be three parts out of a little number out of the book Heaven and Hell that explain what's inside these really important, really great commandments. So, this is how it begins. In heaven, so in the state that we're supposed to get to, in the place, which is something somewhere you can be right now, by the way. This is not, heaven is not just an afterlife thing. It is a way that you relate to people. It is a way that you relate to your conception of God. It is a, a standard of living. It is really a, a state of love and faith. In heaven, loving the Lord, what is it? What does it really mean to love the Lord? Loving the Lord does not mean loving him for the image he projects, but loving the good that comes from him. How do you really love somebody? What's at the core of loving someone? Is it about you know, your, your, how they appear, what their image is? If in, the set, in the case of God, what is it to love God? Is it we just really focus on what we believe God to be and try to feel some love? Loving the good that comes from him. So everything good. Sure, we have a conception of God. We have a way we think about God when the word is used. But the way we've most directly experienced God is through goodness, is through love. You've probably heard God is love. That's literally true, that God is not somewhere at great distance, but God is, through the the force of divinity, present all over the place. God is not in one place or another, but God is everywhere. And we see God clearly in the goodness that shows up in life, whether that's the goodness that's coming through us, through our hearts, when we see it when two people act lovingly to each other. Why does that move you so much? It's because you are seeing a bit of the nature of God, of what God wants to do in the world, the thing God's purpose, what God is trying to accomplish. And that is often the best way to know who somebody really is, is to sense what's the point of their life. If you're going to name a foundation after somebody, what you're doing is saying, well, this foundation is going to try to continue the purpose of this person's life and work. Loving the Lord does not mean loving him for the image he projects, but loving the good that comes from him. Okay, that, to me, we've got some tangibility, tangibility, yeah, tangibility increase, but I still don't understand how. So let's go to our next little clip. Yeah, good, we got it there. What does it mean to love the good? Love, loving the good is intending it and doing it from love. So how do you love the Lord? You intend what is good and you do what is good. Oh, that's nice. Yes, there can be feelings of, I I love the idea of God. I have gratitude for what I believe God has done for me in my life. Some people have very immediate, visceral experiences. If you ever read a near-death experience, people will say they go and they sit on God's lap and God is telling them everything's all right, and they feel this love like they never felt in their entire life, and that's great. 
That's one thing. But it's really that that's, that's tertiary. The way that day in, day out, that we build this loving relationship with God is to intend and do what is good. To intend and do what is good. Next, let's talk about loving the neighbor because he says it's like that. Further, loving one's neighbor does not mean loving does not mean loving companions for the images that they project, but loving the truth that comes from the word. Again, loving the truth is intending and doing it. So there's something in there that I like. There's some clarity, there's marching orders, but there's a lot that needs to be unpacked still about how do our, does our understanding of this inner sense of these two commandments get us to being the kind of people Jesus is calling us to? How does that, how, do, how does everything in life hang on that? How is this command from God going to be the two things that solve everything. So just let, the, let, let our new discoveries here, or maybe they're old, maybe you already thought of this. That's all right. It's good to be reminded. Let that start to settle in. We're going to have a song, and I find that music is a really good way to let a concept come to life. Just let it go around, and when we get back, we are going to explore more what this would look like for us to love what is good, love what is true, and how everything can hinge on that. Okay, I'll be back. I hadn't heard that song before, but I just want to say, in the first verse, what did God say to the person? I want to build a bridge between your heart and mine. How are we going to build that bridge? That is what we're looking at in the second half. That is what these instructions are for. How are we going to construct in us this? If you build a bridge, a bridge is not a single-use piece of infrastructure, is it? It's not, okay, well, I built the bridge, I got across it. The bridge is meant for continuous connection. It's meant to say, you live on that island, I live on this one, and with this bridge, we are going to be able to see each other all the time whenever we want. That is what we're trying to build through these two great commandments. And I want to assert that in the internal sense, inside of the commandments, they are not about who to love, but about how to love. The external sense of the commandments, so the, the, the literal sense, the face value is, I'm giving you a big list of people that you're supposed to love. You're supposed to love God, right? And love them a lot. And then everybody else. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is, I am setting a to-do list for you. But when we look at that internal sense, the command to love what is good and love what is true and do so by intending and doing, this is instructing us on the universal laws of how to love. Because you can't accomplish the list of loving all these people, if you don't know how to do it. And it's in this how that we build this bridge because God, the love that we feel for other people comes from God through us. And so if we can get that pipeline established, 
the flow of goods and services. Should I leave that metaphor alone? Okay, but I just thought it was cool that it tied in with the song. In the beginning of all the books of, oh, not all the books, but of a number of the books of New Church Theology, Swedenborg added this on the title page, and I love it. It says, first, seek God's kingdom and its justice, and you will gain all. You may have heard several translations of that phrase, but it's this clarity, because we have these problems, we have these hurdles we're trying to overcome, we have these challenges in our life. What do you go at first? Seek God's kingdom and its justice. And not saying, and the rest of this stuff doesn't matter, give it up. No, that can come, but it's got to come this way. And I think that this is a great description of the impact of the two great commandments and what they can do for us. One more primer before we jump into trying to look at examples and dig into what does it mean to love the truth and love the good. I was pondering over this when putting this together. What, what is part of the great distinction? Why not just say there's one commandment, be good to everybody, just be good. That's the commandment. Why is it love the, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor, and why do they have these really distinct internal meanings to them? Loving the truth or loving the neighbor, right? Loving the truth that comes from the word as we saw it defined a little while ago, that's really about seeing something out there and following it and saying, I am going to pursue that light that I see. Whereas loving the good is about responding to things as they come up inside you and the way in which you respond to what's good when it shows up. Let's look first at loving the truth, which we were just looking at New Church Theology saying that to love the neighbor means loving the truth that God has provided to us through the word and that loving is intending and doing. So you think about truth and the truth that people pursue and love. I wanted to pull together some really good truth. What, where is this actually playing out for people in the world? Where are people trying to love the truth that comes from the word? You see the golden rule is there, oh, top left for you. And that cool infographic, I know that the text is too small to read around all those. This is just about the overall impact. It's everywhere. The golden rule is everywhere. You have people following major world religions, lesser known traditions, and the what, but what is the common action that everyone is performing when you go and you say, here I am, I'm living in a particular way, and I've come up against something, some teaching through whatever path in my life that has inspired me to want to follow it. I don't want to do these things I was doing before. I want to do that. I want to follow that truth. So to love the neighbor is to say, instead of getting stuck in my own negativity or negative loops or in questionable sources of information or in 
the kind of thoughts that spring up in us when our ego is disturbed and somebody said something we don't like or we feel like we weren't given the respect that we deserve. Insert your foibles here. Instead, we say, I love more than that the greatest commandment, one, or, you know, one of the greatest commandments for me is, no, I, want, I don't want to do that. I want to intend and do the truth. So let's say it's this golden rule. Treat others as you would have them treat you. And there's people all around the world who have got their dose of that from their religious affiliation. And the way the scenario would play out is, oh, you I noticed that you dropped your wallet and it's got money in it and I really want that money and there's a couple things I think I could do with that. Wait, I know what it feels like to lose your wallet. It feels, it feels awful. And the best thing in the world is the feeling of, hi, oh, what? somebody put it in the lost and found and I can come get it. That feeling of my, my, my life is restored. So I know that. I was told you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. I wouldn't want that to happen to me because you told me, this is, this is, I'm pointing to the truth, pretend it's up there somewhere, because you told me I'm going to go and do this. And that's what it is to love the truth, intend the truth, and do the truth. And that's really important because you can't always, you need a compass out there. It's too difficult to just continually try to source things out of your in-the-moment inspirations if you don't have these rules, these principles, these divine precepts to live by. You're just you're going to be at the mercy of the whims of how you're feeling that day. And in a lot of situations, you're just going to have a real ethical dilemma: what is the right thing to do? So to love the truth is to say that that is something that I am going to hang all the rest of my decision-making on. I'm going to try in my, my best in this moment to follow that truth. And why I think you find this inside love of the neighbor is that to love these, uni these great truths is how you love people. You can have like attachment to somebody but like let's say that you know my daughter's just gone into kindergarten and I really want her to feel happy every day that she goes there and I don't want anything to make her upset and I don't want anyone to say anything mean to her I don't want her to ever be confused or lonely that's just what I want because she's my daughter I love her Okay, that's how humans operate. But if I find out that she is, this is hypothetical, she's not doing this, but if she did, if she was maybe feeling great, but she was making someone else unhappy at school, she was doing things to them, rather than just follow, well, I just love her, so all I care about is that she's happy. I know, no, there is a greater principle that says don't, make people feel uncomfortable because there's a, there's a whole host of other parents who are caring for their children like that. And I know just generally if the world operated on this principle that we're supposed to try to eliminate people making each other miserable in all kinds of settings, 
That's the way the world should be. So I know that I, I love my neighbor as myself. I love that truth as much as I even love my, my own feelings about it. So I'm going to try to, it's just as much a concern to me to get her to stop doing that to someone as it would be if someone was doing that to her. That's what it is to love your neighbor as yourself. Because the way that we reach out and express love to all of our fellow human beings who are in society with us is by loving what is just, what is honest, what is fair, what is good. That, that is what these truths can lead us to. So that doesn't sound so bad. But how, what is the difference between that? How is that only one side of the two great commandments? What's the other side? What's the other how do we bring the bridge metaphor back in? What's the, if that is <laughs> one lane on the bridge, what's the other lane? I don't know if that works because you could just drive on the other side. Is it like the pilings and then, I don't know, the metaphor breaks down. What's the other side? What's the other commandment about? What's the difference? Remember, the other commandment is about loving the good. So intending and doing not what's true, which we had up over here, but intending and doing what is good, good from love. So what is that like? I have an idea. This one is a little less clear, but I think we can get an experience of it together right now. Are you ready? Okay. Either way, we're going to do it. So you know what loving the truth is. Loving the truth is like I'm, I, I see this principle and I have this moment of understanding this principle and I think that, you know what, that moves me to an extent and I, and I you know, it checks out rationally and I better go do that and I better go live. Loving the good is the feeling you're about to get right now. So when, when you see that, what do you feel? Oh, I'm going to pick that baby up right now. I'm going to pick that baby up, and it's okay. I'm going to take really good care of your head. And I'm going to be, what do you need? Does your diaper need to get changed? I'm going, to, I'm going to do something. That cute little baby, I can barely look at that for very long. That cute little baby, it needs, there needs to be hands right around the sides of that baby picking it up right now, right? That is loving what is good. And it's pretty easy to love what's good in a situation like this. Okay, let's go to the next slide. That's too much of that cute baby. Um, or yeah, take it down. There's, there's pretty, it's pretty easy to say, oh, that's a good thing. But the difference and what makes it part of these two things that solve everything is to say, I'm going to love that with all my heart, and with all my mind, and with all my soul, with all my strength. Because when that comes up, that feeling of, I'm going to do this because this is the right thing to do. This is good. That's the Lord. That is God. And I am going to respond to it like I would respond to God. I just, I'm going to sell everything I have, and I'm going to buy that field. When I know that this is the right thing to do, I'm going to love it. I'm going to intend and do it with all my soul. So I think 
That's what it is to love what is good. And if you look at these two things together, the two things that solve everything, I call them that because these are the two ways, the two complementary essential ways that we can navigate life. And, and all the law and the prophets are hanging on these things, which is, as we discussed, this is all of the word. But by the way, the word is about you. All of it is telling, uh, giving us this picture of who we are and how we operate, of the human soul, of who God is, everything we need for our spiritual life. So if we're saying everything in there hangs on that, everything in our life hangs on these two things. And the way I see that playing out is that we, we all have infinite scenarios we're trying to work through and infinite challenges. I'd love to just be able to sit down and hear from everybody. What, what is it that's challenging you right now? Are you trying to get more organized? Is there some kind of family issue? Are you wondering about? There's so many situations that we're trying to navigate, but the two things all of them hinge on is to love in each of those situations the way that we can build that bridge and have God with us all the time going through those situations is to love God and love the neighbor. Love what is good and follow what is true. Intend and do those things. So if I am having a situation at work where I don't know how to deal with a coworker, the more that I can, I'm gonna love, intend and do what is true and when some goodness shows up, treat it like it's the divine. That will give me the best shot at getting through that. Whatever it is in life, if we can approach it through this lens, this lens that says uh, that the Lord is giving me what is good and what is true, and I'm following and being moved by that and looking for that as the highest impetus of spiritual practice. As the most important thing, the lawyer asked God, what's the most important thing? And God said these two commandments. And everything else hangs on that. So as we go through the everything else in life, let's make sure we hang it on this. How in this situation can I love what is good and love what is true and through that be able to love everyone as we are commanded by God. So let's let that sink in. Let's see what that means to each of us individually because everybody's building their own particular bridge to God. It's really God has the blueprints and is trying to build a particular bridge with us. So this is something we heard today, this whole talk, but it's going to mean something different to each of us individually. So let's begin to just let it settle and see how the Lord is going to try to use that in whatever form, some, all, none, uh, to, to bring you forward into where you're going to go. And I think one way that we can do that as we're closing is say a little prayer. I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer. You're welcome to say it along with me. Have a silent prayer on your own as we start to maybe have it with the intention of asking God to bring those commandments uh, to life in us. 
All right, so let's say the prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And since we got some music going, let's just take a second now for the silent prayers in your hearts. A little, little time on the bridge with God. Awesome. You don't have to stop, but we are going to move on. Uh, we're going to hear a song to let ourselves uh, bring, it, bring all this into our soul. And then the next big part is we're going to go out into the world and see what we can do with these ideas to, to make the world the kind of world that, that God is trying to turn it into. So here we go, our last song. And thank you for walking through this with me this morning. <laughs> 